Scorsese, good evening. Whoa. Wow. Marty! Kundun! I liked it! You took your first pinch like a man, and you learned the two greatest things in life. What? Look at me. Never ride on your friends, and always keep your mouth shut. You talking to me? You talking to me? You talking to me? Well, then who the hell else are you talking to? Talking to me? Well, I'm the only one here. Nikki, when you asked me if you could come out here, what did I tell you? I mean, you asked me, and I knew you were going to come out no matter what I said, but what did I tell you? Do you remember what I told you? Back, back Do you up, remember what I told you? Back up a minute here. One minute. I asked you, when the fuck did I ever ask you if I could come out here? Get this through your head, you. you. Get this through your head, you Jew motherfucker, you. You only exist out here because of me. I was uh, sent down from Washington, D.C. to see about these murders. Hmm. You see... See what about him? See who's doing it. Welcome back to Back Porch Movies. Today, we're doing Martin Scorsese's Top 10 Best Movies. Yeah, I don't even think there's much introduction to do here. It's Martin Scorsese. I was looking at my wall today, and I was like, oh, yeah, either every movie on my top 10 list is by him or is one of his movies that he says is in his top 10. And the fact that I'm viewing it through that framework tells you... <clears throat> how influential he is nowadays in movies. So what we're going to be doing is we are going to count down our top 10 Martin Scorsese movies as we do. If one of us has it ranked higher, we will wait and abstain to talk about that one until later on. Um, anything else you all want to say before we get started? Yeah, I just wanted to preface this saying I haven't seen nearly all his movies. Yeah, so... you want to talk about the ones we haven't seen? Well, that's a... Pretty negative way to start a film podcast on on the gut well, the subject. No, of just thing, saying, but... hey, we're taking a few off the table. Like I'm taking who's knocking at that door, Boxcar Bertha off the table. Well, he's and... made 16 documentaries. I have not seen one of his documentaries. I've heard some well, of them are like really good. The George obviously Harrison one is amazing. So that could that could crack the top ten. We'll see. Um, it's not his best one though. Well. Oh, oh, okay. Ooh, little, yeah. little, little preview coming up. Okay, so and JP, let's let's take Kundun off the table too, because we can all agree that we at least liked it. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, uh, JP, why don't you start us off with your number ten? Well, speaking of documentaries, I thought you were going to say speaking of Kundun. <laughs> <laughs> that would have been amazing. My. Number 10 is No Direction Home. It's his first Bob Dylan documentary, and it documents Dylan's life from when he exploded onto the scene in 1960 all the way through him going electric in 65 and the entire controversy surrounding that. Yeah, that was um, a big deal. 
I've seen a few of his documentaries. I've seen both Bob Dylan's, but I've never seen his most famous one, which is considered like the best musical documentary of all time, which was like 1974. Um, I can't remember its name. Is it? Oh, yeah, it's the last waltz. It's the band's uh, Mm -hmm. last tour, which apparently is like the best music doc ever yeah that's kind of the one i expected it. you to put on saying that you were going to put on one of those documentaries i thought it'd be last waltz because yeah, that's the one most people would probably have right but uh no direction home is man it might be my favorite documentary it's definitely up there it's three and a half hours of just bob dylan torching people in interviews and press conferences and concerts uh, jp can we get a little dylan can we get a little Dylan? Yeah. That, that was Bob Dylan. <laughs> uh, and, What's, you know, it's him dealing with the weight of being the face of like the beatnik movement and protest song champion and how he's struggling to deal with it and how those fans, protesters and poets and all that uh, thought he betrayed them by going mainstream, going electric. And it's just fascinating documentary. If you like folk music, rock music, Bob Dylan, um, it's phenomenal. Yeah, it's funny because like Scorsese's so known for his needle drops and and sort of reusing the same songs. He like clearly likes one genre of music. Yeah, and... uh, (laughs) It is funny because he makes so many music documentaries and it's clear that he just like, hey, hey, Marty, we kind of get it. (laughs) (laughs) Chris, what's your number 10? My number 10, The Age of Innocence. Did not make my list, but was close. Okay. I was wondering because this was a late watch. This was our my most recent Martin Scorsese watch with my wife and um, I gotta. I have say, a question, Chris. Is this a great or terrible movie to watch with your wife? <laughs> That's a very good point. It is. Uh, <laughs> Would Ange yeah. have a different answer than you? Probably, yeah. Um, but I mean, what's not to like? It the cast is out of control. It's Daniel Day Lewis, um, Michelle Pfeiffer, Michelle Winona Ryder, Winona Ryder, Jonathan Price was in it. Yep, Jonathan Price, and you recognize like a million people in it. Mm-hmm. And uh, directed by Martin Scorsese, it's like, dude, what's not to like? Uh, uh, I'm a sucker for a um, genre flick like that in a time period piece. So, but it reminds me, uh, y'all saw Phantom Thread, right? I still yeah. haven't. I really want to. Okay, definitely should watch it, and you realize, oh. So Phantom Thread's just a remake. Mm. Really? Yeah. With like it's, with like the just the quiet passion. Not not really about the story, but it's like it's a different story clearly, but it's <clears throat> Daniel Day-Lewis playing the same pretty much the same character, pretty mm. much the same arc of the story and you're it was kind of bizarre watching it. You're like, "Oh, so Martin Scorsese did this already." Got it. <laughs> I, I haven't seen Age of Innocence, but I saw Phantom Thread and did not like it. You're so, incorrect. 
So, so if they're that you're, similar. You're objectively wrong. <laughs> I think in, in in Martin Scorsese's filmography, he makes Goodfellas, Cape Fear, and Casino. And in between these, he makes The Age of Innocence. And it's like such a complete departure from those other three movies that you could lump together and make connections to. Like, it's such a departure. But I was reading the Roger Ebert review of this uh, the other day, and the tagline is the brutality behind the manners. Yeah, I and I thought that was so interesting because everyone's so polished and and like has such incredible manners throughout this movie. Like, but like they're evil scored, towards each other. They treat each other like shit. Well, the passion of the characters is something that you see in so many of his movies, and and is definitely on display here. You see it it's on a, screen. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. His shit is on screen. All of this entire why it's such a departure for him is everything's off. Everything's unstated. You don't see anything that actually s- is happening. You see it in Daniel Day Lewis's face when he's just like, like, yeah. like just staring, <laughs> just staring at Michelle Pfeiffer. <laughs> I I what do have a question. You, well, I had a question before we switch to our, uh, my number ten. I felt that this suffered, and we've talked about this a lot because of the second screen epidemic. Um, this there's two types of movies I think do especially well in theaters, like the giant blockbusters, sure, but also movies like this that it really pays for you to watch it intently. And when I watched this, I was you know I had my phone out, I was at my house, I had other things going on, and I did like this movie. But I feel like if you watch this in theaters and you're not distracted, so much better. Yeah, yeah. No, me and Ange put our phones away for it, I'm pretty sure. And, I mean, dude, a a really long period piece kept our attention the entire time, which just tells you, like, for a movie where really nothing actually happens, like, the drama is whether things will or will not happen the whole time, it it keeps you tied in, which is just... And, it, and it's fun watching like, oh, hey, especially now because it's like Gilded Age and all those shows are really big right now. And it's like, OK, what if this was done well? <laughs> and <laughs> I, th- I thought this movie had a great ending, too. Like, you've got to, like, get to the end. But I, I totally love the un-Scorsese movie uh, movie ending, by the way. <laughs> really, You know, movies where we end up seeing people in witness protection or most of them dead or just alcoholic, gnarly, like raging bullets. Like, it's like, oh, this had a happy ending. My number 10 is Mean Streets. Okay, interesting. That that did not make my list. Did it make no, yours, Chris? It did not either. But I think it's the archetypal Scorsese flick, right? I, I think it's, I mean, it's not his first movie. It's his third movie, but it's really the one that, that got him going and announced him as what, because no one was making movies like this in the early 1970s. This is his first, you know, real gangster movie. And it's it's got Harvey Keitel and then an unknown pretty much at the time, De Niro, the year before he's in Godfather 2. Basically, it's just Italian-American gangsters just like, you know, terrorizing slash helping the local populace. And De Niro gives just a wild performance. You can you're like, wow, this guy's so talented. It's, but it's out of control. It's out of control, though. I think Keitel embodies like the really likable criminal 
that you see in a lot of later Scorsese movies. And but not I, from Keitel. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> this is not a movie that I would sit around and rewatch a lot, but and I, I think I give it a lot of credit for really being the first his first go at this genre that he did over and over of like New York crime. And it really set the template. It, it kind of like it ran so other movies could walk. And I really respected that, which is why I made it my number 10. Yeah. I, I left it off. Kind what of. Year, for that what reason. year is it? 73. So it's, it's close to Godfather one and thinking yeah, it's about one year after thinking about Godfather and then this, it is so clean. Godfather is so clean compared to Mean Streets. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Mean Streets, that's I mean, that's kind of the reason I left it off. It is very, I don't know, rugged in a way. Uh, I almost put it at 10, but the reason that Gabe put it on um, it influencing like eventual movies, I just think the movies that came later were better, so... <laughs> well, if, yeah, if the, I agree if, with you. <laughs> if the if the metric we're using is comparing Mean Streets to the first Godfather, like th- I I don't <laughs> think that's fair because I'm not putting the Godfather at number ten on any list, like including the best <laughs> movies ever made. It's going to be higher than that. So, like it's not the Godfather, but it's a very good movie. Um, JP, what's your nine? Mm-hmm. Uh, my nine is Gangs of New York. Abstain. Okay, didn't make the list. What? Chris, Chris, what's your nine? My nine is the color of money. Did not make my list. Did wow. not make mine. Gabe, I've never. That is shocking. I thought Gabe loves this movie. I've never I, seen it. I've seen it once, and it's very good. It's this dude. It's the Martin Scorsese top ten. Like it's hard to get in this top ten. I think that when we eventually do our Martin Scorsese Oscars, yes, another Scorsese episode where we'll gay learn how to pronounce his name. Who knows? Paul Newman is going to make my best actor list. And I kind of wish him and Scorsese had done more movies together, but this is a very good movie. Um, The the amount of star power between Cruz and Newman mid eighties is just unreal. Just you know, it didn't make my list. It's hard to make the top 10. I don't have a major criticism of it. What's your, what's your take, Chris? Um, so this is young Tom Cruise. Is this pre or post cocktail? This is, I think it was 86. So I want to say it's two years before. Yeah. It's really young Tom Cruise, like outsiders, Tom Cruise. And He's the worst part of the movie. Like, let's just say that, <laughs> which is shock. It's shocking to say, c- considering how big of a star he was, he became. But Paul Newman, you know, everyone always talks about the verdict and everything. And, and he's incredible. And um, what was his last movie? The uh, Roads Perdition. He's he blew me away in this. This is the Paul Newman movie. And there, there's a million of him back in the day, too, where he's playing the cool dude and everything. And he's played this character before, and this is a sequel. Um, but I, I don't think there's ever been a better depiction of a cool guy on screen than this movie. And, and, so and who, have, who is better to be the cool guy than the coolest than, actor of all time, Paul Newman? Than, <laughs> than Paul Newman, who's still got it. 
<laughs> and the we talk about it on this podcast a lot when we're talking about Michael Mann movies. Any movie where I'm watching dudes who are hyper good at stuff, I'm so in. Yeah. And in this movie, it's Paul Newman who's hyper good at at his own job portraying someone who's extremely good at like three or four different things. This is a great sports movie. Um, when we did our sports movie draft episode, which is a fun episode, y'all should check it out. I don't know that I had watched this yet. And I think that would have been a great choice for a wild card. Um, mm-hmm. Because it's, you know, it's a movie about billiards. It's about like a pool tournament and hustling in pool halls. And the pool scenes are really entertaining. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's. I don't know how I haven't seen it. It's right up my alley. I love playing pool, and I love uh, his. Oh, you haven't seen it? Sauces. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually a sequel as well to I think a nineteen sixty or sixty one movie, and and Newman's playing the same character. He plays a young version and an older version. Um, have you seen the Hustler, Chris? No, we should definitely watch it though. I really want to. Yeah, I mean. It, it's it, it's a legendary Newman performance, and and I think that's what kind of this movie's known for. But mm-hmm. but we're talking. This is a Scorsese podcast, so let's so Scorsese directing a sports movie. If I was gonna pick one, I think Billiards actually makes sense because of how insane some. It's like Scorsese just going like, "I'm gonna think of the craziest fucking shot like ever," <laughs> <laughs> and. All, all the way this movie ends is just so it, it's like Departed, but like before the rat, like, like <laughs> the first Departed ending where you're just like, wow, chef's kiss when he's just like, I'm back and just. What do you call it? Racks? Is that what you call it, JP? I'm not a billiards player. Breaks. Seen, he what? breaks. Breaks. He breaks and just goes, I'm yeah. back. And then it just cuts. There's You're people like, just oh, punching the air listening to this, wishing it was your face. All right. <laughs> we'll move on. Um, my number nine, I don't think this is making y'all's list, is The Irishman. Nope. Didn't make no, my list. No, it, it was my honorable mention. So I really enjoy this movie. Um, I re- we watched it together when it dropped on Netflix, I believe, during COVID or maybe the year before COVID hit. This might be 2019. Um, it's about a four-hour-long movie about Jimmy Hoffa and the man who allegedly killed him, who was one of his best friends. Is any of it true? Who knows? But the big criticism this movie gets is the aging of the characters, rightfully so, because they have scenes where De Niro's playing like a 25-year-old and he looks just terrifying. Like... <laughs> <laughs> they don't do a good job. He doesn't job look of terrifying. That. He looks bad. He doesn't look good. It looks fake. It does. If you take out every other part of that, though, this is a very good movie. Um, would, would I, I see? I'm, are you going to just disagree? Right. No, because I agree wholeheartedly. This is, I think, for a four-hour movie one of the more rewatchable Scorsese movies. And I think it might be Pesci if we're doing, cause we're going to do Scorsese Oscars. Is it the best Pesci? It's, it's up there. It's it's top. It is top five. It is not best. He's so good in this. He steals. He, he makes the entire movie and Pacino's. I don't think I'd seen him in a movie in like 
I don't think I'd see Pesci in a movie in like 15 no. years. Pacino and then, yes, Pacino is giving so a good. career performance. Pesci is giving a career performance. Dude, which I'm I'm blown away because he's so good in Killers of the Flower Moon. Robert De Niro, it was like an embarrassment. It was <laughs> it was bizarre. Yeah, it's pretty bad. I I do think a big part of it is the age. Once he gets to like 55, 60 in the story, I think he gets a lot better. Yeah, but the, the retirement he, home scene, he nails it. <laughs> the the scene where he's like 40 beating a guy on the street is so bad. Like yeah. it's like it's like he's Horrible. like it's like bad local wrestling. Like you're watching the guy miss punches. Um having said that, <laughs> I personally think this is a great movie and I kind of wish they'd made it as a mini series, but I just don't think they would have gotten 200 million from Netflix for it. But I, I don't, you know, cause Scorsese had, I, I, we should probably do some more research on that cause Scorsese has a relationship with HBO. I wonder why they never did it, you know, cause he had, he, he was putting out documentaries with HBO while they were making mini series and stuff. In Boardwalk like, Empire, he was the main producer. I think he directed yeah. the first the first episode. And Vinyl? Do you remember Vinyl? I never watched Vinyl. Was that good? Yeah. No, it wasn't good. But <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's why. That might be why. <laughs> I think it's also because Netflix started throwing around crazy money for movies, and the vast majority of directors who who are movie directors don't want to make TV shows. They're not like David Fincher. Like they want to make movies that are going to be in theaters. The fact that he w- agreed to have this streaming just on Netflix is wild. But we talked about this a lot. Let's move on to JP's eight. My eight is Killers of the Flower Moon. Same. Abstain. Abstain. <laughs> oh, oh, <laughs> oh, nice. We were close. We were okay. close. All right. So those eight are both of y'all's high. eight. So I guess we're going to go with another one of mine, which is number eight is Gangs of New York. Okay. That was my nine. Mine did not make the list. Chris, do you have a problem with this movie besides Cameron Diaz? <laughs> um, if you remember, I think if you go on our Twitter, there is a thread from me from like three years ago saying how you make Gangs of New York the best movie ever made. And How, how is I don't remember this tweet from three years ago. So. Yes, it's very simple. And it and no, Cameron Diaz, she's yeah, she's annoying in it and it's a horrible performance, but it, it's all story based. It's all story based. And just a, some slight tweaks you would have made. Yeah, it's it's like the aviator. It just pisses me off that it was like it was right there. It was right there. <laughs> I, I do think that this is a situation where this movie should be in the top five and it just doesn't 100 percent click. And I don't think the ending is as good as most of his endings are. Like, yeah. I expect a higher quality ending. Having said that, I think it's the best Daniel Day-Lewis ever. It, it might, if you it's, said it's the best acting you've ever seen from Daniel Day-Lewis, I'd be like, I, yeah. I can't argue with that. He is, And he didn't win for it, right? He didn't. I don't yeah. remember who won that year, but um, I thought he was amazing. I think Leo's fine. It, I think a big part of it is being overshadowed by how good uh, yeah. DDL is. Um, I like the cast of characters and the world building is so cool. I've still to this day never seen a world like that and that in 1860s New York. And this also, the opening four or five minutes may be my personal favorite 
opening of any Scorsese movie. The the watching the all the Irish immigrants <laughs> receive communion and then get swords sharpened and they go and they fight the nativists. It is amazing. And Liam Neeson's in this movie for like five minutes and he's so good in it. Priest. Priest <laughs> Valen. Everything Gabe mentioned is completely valid. That's yeah, why I put I, this movie I, on this list. And I do think it's Daniel Day Lewis's best performance. He's I saw this as a kid for the first time and he was terrifying. <laughs> JP was terrifying. probably like six watching yeah. Bill the Butcher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the best uh villains of all time, I think. And just the backdrop the of the movie, the nativist versus Irish immigrants in in a very real feeling uh 1860s New York is like I, I mean what more could I ask for? Gang Everyone violence except- in the 1860s. Everyone except Cameron Diaz, like, is in the 1860s. <laughs> and she's just in a completely different movie. JP, she's, what's your seven? She, she's in The Mask. <laughs> <laughs> JP, what's your seven? My seven is Casino. Same. Stan- Dude, do we, do we have the same list? <laughs> it's like y'all are brothers or something. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, so I, we're gonna Gabe, have Gabe, Gabe loves Casino. Uh, I, I we're gonna, we're gonna have stay. Yeah, <laughs> and I'm gonna let you know. I actually dropped down Casino from where I originally had it, but we're still abstaining. <laughs> um, so I guess we're back to me. My, we're just doing my list. Um, <laughs> my seven is Departed. The Departed. Abstain. Okay, I figured. JP, what is your six? Uh, Wolf of Wall Street. Dude, this is unbelievable. <laughs> no way. No way. This is unbelievable. And JP was bragging about how easy the list was to make as well. So y'all had the same six, seven, eight, nine. I was yeah, I was yeah. shocked. Oh, we didn't even really talk about that. Yeah, I was shocked at how easy this was. Once I got it down to I had twelve. And then but the order was super easy. Really? Because yeah, my yeah, yeah. my one and two were easy, and then literally the order was very difficult beyond that. But we're abstaining because I have it far higher. Uh, <laughs> so again, Gabe, my six is Killers of the Flower Moon. Okay, we okay, I yeah. had it. We had it at eight. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I'll, I'll just be honest. We we released a forty five minute review of Killers of the Flower Moon last week. It's a great movie. It's a great book. Would highly recommend it. Just to talk, uh, he's since been nominated for Best Director, I believe, since since that episode came out. He has no now Leo set... nom. Snubbed. Huge snub. Yeah. No Leo nom, and, but De Niro did get for supporting, and Lily Gladstone for Best Actress. She should uh, win. Scorsese is now tied, or he broke the Steven Spielberg tie for second. Now he's in second place by himself, no, right? He's num- he's number one now. Most noms. I thought there was a dude from like back in the day that had 12. Am I making that up? I mm, all the news I saw was that he has the most noms. I might be wrong. Either way, great movie would recommend it, but for the sake of brevity, listen to a review of it. And so we are now JP. Is this your number five? Do y'all have the same five? You might. <laughs> My number five is Shutter Island. Oh, so is no, mine. We definitely don't. <laughs> There we go. No, Shutter Chris? Island did not make my list. What? Whoa! Okay, Chris, but I am blown that's away. That's crazy. Gabe, 
I'm gonna need you to get, to tell the story of how we first saw this movie. Because <laughs> it was you're, a formative experience when I was a kid. <laughs> your first time, my second time. So let me just tell the story, and I'll let JP give a Shutter Island take. Um, saw Shutter Island in theaters two or three times. Um, the second time, I was with Chris, and I guess I broke the law because I snuck them in because I was an adult and they were not. But they had bought tif- tickets for a different movie, so I guess I didn't sneak them in. Long story short, Chris and our, his friend CJ were sitting next to me at like a matinee showing on like a Saturday, and there's like four <laughs> people in the theater, but they have seven <laughs> seats taken. So they clearly know that people are in there they aren't supposed to, and they came up and asked how old we were, and I told them I was 18, <laughs> thinking that would get them to go away, and it, it did. It did work, <laughs> because Chris and CJ were clearly too young to be in the movie. And like 10 minutes go by, I'm like, I forgot I'm 19. <laughs> and I don't know why that story's not funny to anyone that's listening besides us, but to us, it's hilarious. It always cracks me up. And you know, this, I, I do like this movie. I just don't, I don't know if it hasn't aged well, or it might be that Ruffalo's in it. I can't decide why I kept it off. It's, it's Ruffalo. That's, that's what it is. Ultimately. But Ruffalo is good in it. He is he playing is. a dude that is acting, and he's supposed to be acting like a little off and weird. <laughs> so you should great like casting, it. Marty. Great casting. <laughs> Why I like Shutter Island is, and if you haven't seen it, please skip ahead a couple minutes. There's a huge twist, and they set you up to where you think you know the twist, and then by the end, it's like you actually don't know the twist. But it was you are able to figure it out during the movie if you're really paying close attention, which is why to me it is my all time favorite rewatch. The mm. second time I saw Shutter Island and you know the movie, it is actually a completely different film, and you pick up on so many things more than any movie I've ever seen. And I that's why I hold it in such high esteem. Besides all the good performances, the interesting story is the rewatchability of it is so, it's a completely different movie. It's a JP, double what's your twist. taste? Yeah. That, that was twist. exactly um, what I was going to get at. It you know, it has okay reviews, decent reviews, but I got it 5 on my list. I think know? it got nominated for best picture, like it's a well-liked movie. Yeah. Is that the but, Was that the year they started we, doing 10? I believe it was the second year they started doing that. Yeah. Um, but like you said, it's one of my favorite endings to a movie of all time it's one of the best twists of all time um very creepy movie uh for scorsese it's you know it's not one of his best best but just for the fact of the twist and it's one of those movies like you said you have to watch twice and honestly it's gets better and better like every time you watch it it's it's Scorsese makes a Hitchcock movie because he mm. loved, like there's so many YouTube videos of him talking about how much he loves Hitchcock and and very specific movies he loves North by Northwest and how it influenced a bunch of his movies and it's very clearly like I'm gonna make a Hitchcock movie but it might be that's the a most, great like, point Scorsese ish movie of it like the way it's directed and like the camera panning really fast multiple times to show the, how disoriented the, people are. And like, and the super aggressive score with those strings yeah. that like, mm-hmm. they like attack you out of nowhere. Like the yeah. music is like after you. <laughs> yeah. Um, and cameras 
like 360 spinning multiple times in that movie. And I take it back. It did not get nominated for best picture, even though there was 10 nominees. So I'm a little pissed about that. Um, So that was me and JP's five. Chris, what's your number five? Number five, the departed. Okay. I had it at seven. Uh, JP, are, are you abstaining? I have it at four. Okay. Okay. So it's Chris's yeah. five, JP's four. Let's talk about it. Um, so I was thinking about should this be higher? Or I think this is the only movie on the list where I was like, this could be a top three, or it could not be on the list. Like, Chris, 10, 10 years ago, where would you have had this ranked? Number one. Number one. Yeah. Like, because when you were a teenager, this was your favorite movie. It's, but, but that explains it when I was a teenager. And that's about as, you you know, it's Martin Scorsese making a popcorn flick, which is so nuts because of how good it is. (laughs) Like, it's Taxi Driver, Raging Bull, Mean Streets, Goodfellas sort of all wrapped into one, but like made as a pop song. You know what I like? I like Martin Scorsese leaving New York for Boston for a movie. Like, yeah, too. Like he he was such a great director of a Boston movie, and this is probably the most Boston movie I've ever seen. Yeah, I I, I like but, Jack Nicholson. That's what I like. <laughs> that's that is actually a hot take. And and that's the thing. That is why I don't have it in my top five. Is because the Nicholson performance is horrible. It's so bad. And I know you're, part of the take is that well, he's supposed to be acting crazy. He's like at the end of his rope and everything. I'm like, I just couldn't buy that he was a mob boss. Yeah. It, what it is, I think good casting in one sense, because it is Jack Nicholson losing it. Cause he really did mm-hmm. at the end of that. And then, and he's playing a guy who's losing it. But for me, I, you know, I can forgive the Nicholson stuff. Cause there are scenes where I'm like, Oh, it is J- J- Jack Nicholson's, still got it um some scenes are really difficult to watch but i think it's my it might be leonardo dicaprio's best performance of his career um he's he's so good in it he's really really good and it's out of all the scorsese movies i mean we're talking about wolf of wall street and shit i mean this guy doesn't do subtle for martin scorsese and (laughs) But this movie is even and he plays the great one of the crazier people in the movie, but he's still for Leo. It's like he's cooling it down a little bit, especially at the beginning of the movie. Um, But no, as a kid, this was my introduction to Martin Scorsese was the departed. And I think it is it was for a lot of people our age or my age um, because it was such a massive cultural. I mean, it won Best Picture. It made a shit ton of money. It had. Dude, it had Mark Wahlberg in it. <laughs> Literally, everyone saw it in theaters. Everyone rented the movie a million times. It was like it was like our Goodfellas. It was their, you know, our Godfather, Goodfellas, whatever. Yeah. It was our generation's. And mm-hmm. you can watch those movies over and over again and find flaws in it, or you can just shut the fuck up and enjoy it because it's awesome. <laughs> I do, I do like that take, and I wonder if I should move my ranking higher um i'll say y'all y'all might have seen this on youtube before but if you haven't seen it i highly recommend matt damon talking about what he learned from nicholson on the movie 
and he does a great impression of Nicholson also, <laughs> but it talks about a scene where Nicholson talks about ways actors can help directors and he gives options to the director based on the script. And he does a great example of the scene where they kill the woman in the marsh. Nicholson actually ad-libbed two extra minutes to that scene because he wants to give the director options in the editing room of what to keep. So it's, it's a great short awesome. video. That's yeah. yeah re- really loved it. Um, a crime thriller set in Boston with another great ending. Hey, finally the Irish get, get a movie. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and like you said, cultural phenomenon. I mean, not much more to say about the departed and another uh, great twist. Another great twist. Mm-hmm. Yes, yes, and that was something that shocked people so, blew, to the point where away. people and, and, and I'm kind of with you, Chris. Kind of like Wahlberg. <laughs> the, the problem is a lot of people feel as though it wasn't earned. I disagree. They think that it should have been set up a little bit more. I kind of like how abrasive it is because the movie's abrasive. Yeah, here here's yeah. a version of that that doesn't work. The ending of Uncut Gems that doesn't work. This version works. <sighs> You know what doesn't work? The entirety of Uncut Gems. Yeah, Moving on. <laughs> so that was uh, Chris's five. That was, uh, I had Shutter Island at five. GP's JP, that was four. your four. So Chris, mm-hmm. is, what is your four? My four is Raging Bull. Epstein. You know what I'm going to say. And you're going to kill, you're going to, you're going to. It's, you're you, incorrect. Dude. Objectively incorrect. <laughs> you're nasty. It's like, not it's on like my look- list. It's like looking at that's, that's at the crazy. Mona Lisa and saying, "No, don't get it." She's ugly. <laughs> Mona Lisa, not hot. <laughs> well, that just invalidated Gabe's whole list, so we can move on. All right, you're uh, abstaining, JP. <laughs> yeah, I'll abstain. So let's All go right. to my four, which is the true art film in Scorsese's filmography, Casino. <laughs> okay, I had it at seven. <laughs> Mine was seven too. Yeah, Casino. Was seven. It's my four. This is a big Lynch movie in the Lynch oh, yeah. household. So this we is had a it movie. on DVD. Yeah. Well, before <laughs> before you two fucks were around, your brother Michael and I watched this all the time on VHS. Were either of us old enough to watch it? No. But <laughs> when I was seven years old, did I know the entire like James Woods like like monologues by heart? <laughs> That he would say to Ginger over the phone? Yes, and I would say them when I was a second grader. (laughs) So, James, I I do think this suffers from coming soon with a lot of the same actors as Goodfellas, which many people consider to be a superior movie. Um, I still think Casino's an incredible movie. Pesci's amazing. De Niro playing a a Jewish gambler. Such an out of step for him, but but he, he nails he, it. He's so he's good in it. A lot more effeminate than he is Very. in many of his movies. Very. And he he's really good. Sharon Stone's incredible in this the movie. Long, There's such the a long crazy cast of characters. Long cigarette holder with like the pink collars and stuff and the robes. He's he's very effeminate and it's awesome. (laughs) There are people who criticize the narration in this movie. I personally don't mind it. I think it's especially with something that happens towards the end during the narration. I think that that's a wild take, but it was really good. Um, It is an aggressive, violent movie, which I think sums up a lot of Scorsese's filmography. Um, In addition, 
I am someone who I always lean towards. I really lean towards rewatchability. This is one of the ultimate pull-up scenes on YouTube or it's TNT and it's going to be censored, but I'm going to watch 30 minutes type movie. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it does that for me. There's so many rewatchable scenes. Even if the story isn't as good as some could be, I, I just love this movie. I've talked fight three minutes on it. Y'all gave some more takes. Probably the most brutal Scorsese death, right? There, oh God, I'd have to really think about it. I mean, but it's the gonna, baseball bat, the baseball bat's out of control. Yeah, but and then the that vice, might not be the vice, the vice is crazy. I think Michael made me shut my eyes the first time I saw, it. <laughs> and Michael's like seven or nine. <laughs> but I think I think we are. So people on the Ringer have been mentioning this. Um, I think that movie is getting a relook. I think. Because it, where you can view it separately from Goodfellas now, because so much time has passed and they exist in different areas of our brain, maybe that I think Gabe, you're right. Like the the criticism of, or not criticism, but just sort of like, eh, it's not as good as Goodfellas. But so, so we now even we did can that, watch on our... it and we can appreciate it, and we're go. This is a great movie. Yeah. <laughs> On our best of 95 uh, podcast, right, which is 95 is a crazy year for movies. We do talk about Casino some, but we talk about Heat, which is the uh, De Niro movie that we were obsessed with from that year. And if Heat hadn't come out, I think we would have been talking about Casino way more. Listen to that Mm -hmm. episode. It's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I agree. I think it I think it does exactly what I was saying about. I don't know. Was it color of money or something? It age. It ages really well. I just wanted to say, uh, personally, think it's Pesci's second best performance, probably, in Casino. And as a kid, Sharon Stone, <laughs> one of my first loves. <laughs> one of, uh, I think the airplane running out of gas on the golf course. What is like a legendary, <laughs> legendary Chris Lynch YouTube pull up? It reminds me of at Windsor Park at golf camp when in the late nineties when we would try to hit the cart boy going by collecting balls. We just all like start hammering <laughs> him as fast as we could. <laughs> all right, uh, that was my number four. JP, what is your three? My three is Goodfellas. Abstain. Yeah, I know you both are. I think it's a crime. It's this low, but we're talking about, I mean, we're talking about some of the greatest films ever made. So I can't argue. I, I don't think I can argue with your one and Gabe, two. Abstain. You left, you left Raging Bull off your list. Shut up. Literally <laughs> known as the best movie. Probably his most, I mean, one of the two. Which is why I'll say I'll shut up because I don't, yeah. I can't really get mad at you for it, even though I want to be mad. <laughs> we're talking Pesci performances. Pesci steals the show in that. He steals the show in all of these movies. <laughs> um, Chris, what is your number three? Number three, JP is going to hate me. Taxi driver. Me too. Oops, abstain. It's three JP. for you. Yes. JP, did yeah. you suspect that I would have taxi driver not on the list? Yeah. And Raging Bull. <laughs> Um, I think even Gabe I, has I, to admit that it's objectively one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I mean, the reason I'm sitting here is those two movies. Okay. The reason um, I'm sitting here for this pod about Scorsese is those two movies. I'm kind of glad we're not recording this in person. Um, 
So my three and Chris's three is Taxi Driver. JP, what's your two? Raging Bull. All right, let's talk right, about it. 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 It was my four, and Gabe left it off. Raging Unbelievable. Bull. <laughs> let, let, okay, I'll give him my take later. Talk about it. Talk about it. So we, okay. talk, we so, talked about Shutter Island. I think Raging Bull is the the scariest Scorsese movie. I think it's a horror movie. Mm. It kind of is. It's definitely um, probably the biggest piece of shit in any of his movies. <laughs> Which is that, saying something. <laughs> and you know what? That's good. That's a new category. That's a new <laughs> category that we're going to have biggest piece of shit. <laughs> I think that yeah, could Jack, be Jake LaMotta is scumbag. Jake LaMotta. Scumbag. <laughs> biggest yeah. scumbag. Biggest here's, scumbag. Here's why over. I like it. So ignoring the actual like story of the movie and how just fucking brutal it is. Um, and, and it actually is like, I'm scared of these people and I know, which is dumb. Cause dude, I, I'm an adult. It's like horror movies don't really work anymore. It's like, I I'm actively scared of these characters. The thing with raging bull is and why I was obsessed with it when I first saw it, which was I think in high school was it was the first movie that I was like, Oh, this is what a director does. And the reason I'm saying it and I'm, I'm holding up a little square is the first time I watch it, you notice half of the fight is in a ring about this big. And then as he starts to win, the ring actually increases in size. And Watching it again shortly, at, I remember like it was one of those you watch and then rewatch like the next day. And I rewatched it and I was like, oh, now I understand what a director is doing in a movie and how he, how a director like tells a story. Which kind of shed light on when I watched Taxi Driver and stuff and other Martin Scorsese movies. So <clears throat> it was a big learning experience for me about you, JP. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't know if a movie's ever, uh, impacted me as much as the last two on my list. Everything about Raging Bull is like the epitome of movie making to me, like filmmaking from the plot, the, the gravity of the situations, the acting, um the actual filmmaking itself like the cinematography everything blew me away um and i love everything about it like the boxing scenes you were saying um basically the stuff outside of the ring that he doesn't have the ability to deal with in his real life he takes it all out once he's in the ring and it being black and white made it made it I don't know, more ominous, maybe. Is yeah. it, I don't know. If had that's to be the right... had to be in black and white. It's like Nosferatu. Yeah. Like when yeah. he's like moving around, you're like, ugh. Uh, I think it's the best boxing movie. I love. I don't. I don't know how to explain the way the boxing scenes are filmed. Like, I mean, Chris explained it well, but it's just so encapsulating and the. Um, rivalry between him and sugar ray robinson is fascinating to me because they fight like three times in a month <laughs> they fight like six times total 
It is crazy and it's they like, used to do that, by the way. Like, yeah, I mean, it's we like, can't oh. get fighters to fight each other anymore. <laughs> and they're like, don't worry, you lost this time, but you'll fight him in two weeks before he goes to war. <laughs> it's like, holy <laughs> shit. <laughs> but uh, just, just the classic, like, tragedy in mo- the modern age, I feel like, is this movie. Yeah. Just the downfall of a man and how, how evil they can become. And, uh, I mean, I don't know what more to say about it. I think Pesci's great in it. Uh, and it's one of De Niro's best for sure. And he got ripped I mean, for it too. Yeah. And Gabe, how about, how about Gabe leaving off? I just looked at, uh, looked at the Wikipedia raging bull, um, AFI American film Institute top five greatest American movie ever made. And Gabe <laughs> leaves it off his top 10 list, but has, yeah. <laughs> All right, Gabe. All right, I want to know what your you had takes. I want to know why you dislike. Yeah, it. L- yeah. Let me give you the ta- not- the tagline of my take. This is a great movie that I hated. Okay. Just because everyone sucks in it, but you're I hate I hated you like ev- fighting movies, and you you're I know. into fighting I, movies. I, I hated every single character in the movie. That's um, the point. Even, <laughs> I, but but I I hated them, and I didn't find that they had really redeeming qualities like the performance is amazing the direction is is stunning and yet i was like fuck this fucking movie fuck the people i hate all of it (laughs) and i know jp wants to box me because i'm i i think that there's been way better boxing choreography in movies. And I know I, I need to be shot for saying, I need to be hit in the face by Sugar Ray Robinson's corpse <laughs> for saying that, but. <laughs> You're right. Creed 3's choreography is pretty fucking stellar. Get out of here. Get out Actually, of here. it was pretty, pretty solid, but <laughs> I'm not it sitting was. here in any way, shape, or form really arguing that I'm correct or that you should move it down it's, your list. So you're saying it's purely personal taste. It's, it's yes. fair. That's fair. Very, I mean, yeah, that's, this is, this is, this is, it's like you said, it's there's like, no consider, arguing that. Like, I respect your opinion. I'm, I'm not, I'm not, yeah, I'm not Teams. arguing. It's, it is not my type of movie and it probably should be. And I'm just like, oh, it doesn't do it for me. I will. I watched it once. I'll never watch it again. Well, like yeah. you said, Gabe, rewatchability plays a lot into your factors of, uh, of ranking a movie. And this movie is not, rewatch much much like killers of the flower moon which gabe also thinks is rewatchable somehow (laughs) except for except for the boxing scenes those are rewatchable yeah those are youtube pull-ups though i look at someone like a tony soprano who is a piece of shit you can't help but love and i look at jake lamada as a piece of shit you can't help but hate and i'm like I like that doesn't make me want to watch the movie despite how good and effective like the action and everything is. And like I, again, the vast majority of people will crucify me for saying this. It's deserved. This is an opinion that is probably just, it's a, like you said, it's objectively wrong opinion. And yet I have it. <laughs> well, you know, whatever. Mo- All right. The Mona Lisa's <laughs> trash. All right. So JP, was that your two? That was my two. Chris, what is your two? My number two, Silence. Ah, that's what I thought. Yeah. This is my number one of his to watch. I still haven't seen it. 
insane. I didn't think it would be this high for you. That is crazy. Chris. With, can, you, can you promise not to really spoil it, but tell us your thoughts? Real, real quick, Chris. I in, in doing research for this, I saw a shit ton of lists that had silence as number one. I was shocked. Really? Wow. That shocked. is shocking. Yeah. It, I think it is the most beautiful movie maybe ever made. Wow. Like, gotta watch it, like, man. uh, from a, from a like visual perspective, the cinematography in it is unbelievable. And, but I mean, it's, it's made for it. Cause you have like Japanese vistas of old shogunate Japan, like on the, the ocean is gorgeous throughout it, but then also like the Catholic imagery and super dramatic Catholic, uh, like story to it it is just such a beautiful movie and then when you add in just the i'm trying not to spoil it for y'all but when you the actual message of the movie and meaning of it is like one borderline how did hollywood let this get made and it's the only reason is because it's martin scorsese and well he's really the only top tier director still working that is fascinated by Christianity, specifically Catholicism. He is fascinated by Jesus, not just in a religious sense, but just as a cultural, like, like connection point. Like he is, he's what there's always these elements of Catholicism. Even killers of the flower moon had those elements of Catholicism to an extent. Yeah. The it's, um, the message of the movie is beautiful and the setting and be like, it's beautiful to look at. Even with Garfield in it, who I hate, he's one of he. he y'all know he's on my list. <laughs> the, the list, capital the list. T, capital L. Yes. The fact that you could have silence this high, starring Andrew Garfield, that's Dude. the most shock. That's more shocking Dude. than my raging bull take. I, I'm violating. <laughs> I'm violating my own like rules for how to make a good movie. But Garfield's good in this. I'm not joking. He's good. How is Adam Driver? He's incredible. Steals like Adam I, Driver. The fact that this was snubbed for like Liam Neeson is it got like nothing, right? Dude, it was totally ignored. Lost a shit ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> it was one of those like that um, Scorsese was trying to make for like thirty years, and just finally was like, "Hey, it's time to cash in some chips." <laughs> just one for me, and no mm-hmm. one saw it. Um. But they have screenings at the Vatican and stuff. It's just like right up my alley. But highly recommend if you're even if you're not into sort of like the actual point of the movie on a religious perspective or a cultural perspective, which that's what the movie is. The clash between the the culture of Catholicism. You know, when we say like we're you could be culturally Catholic but like yeah. you're not necessarily practicing. That's kind of what it's about. Mm. And just the fucking dude, Marty's Catholic guilt is so significant. He is like he is working things out on screen and I, I will watch 12 <laughs> hours of it. I don't care how long it is. So as the other end of Marty's filmography, my number two is Wolf of Wall Street, a very similar <laughs> film. <laughs> <laughs> to silence similar stories or similar themes 
Um, I think that yeah. Wolf of Wall Street is one of the funniest movies ever made. Um, it's by far, I think, my favorite Leo performance. He was horrifically snubbed for best actor for it. Um, Who the won that Paul- um, I want to say it was McConaughey for Dallas Buyers, Dallas which Byers. he's which he's good in, but no one cares about that movie nowadays. Um, this is ma- the cerebral this palsy is scene. <laughs> I, I, it's just unbelievable. It's it's one of the greatest. That's the one thing Scorsese does more than any other director, and he has the craziest supporting cast of like wild characters that stick in your memory. Like, like he should win every time he has a movie come out, he should win like, let him, the best. Let cast. him watch, let him watch, let him watch, <laughs> let him watch. <laughs> like, like, um, like Rug he's, rat. he just, he <laughs> just sells awesome. ludes to 17 year olds, like, like <laughs> and works out in his mom's backyard. <laughs> like the opening scene with Bernthal's character He's taking like a bottle and hitting a kid like in the dick with it. Be like, you get any action with that or what? Let's bring some of them chicks around here sometime, huh? Let them watch. Let them watch. Hey, Zip. Tell your sister I was asking about her. Why don't you bring me a pair of her panties next time you come through? Yeah, man. She said they don't want to talk to you anymore, man. Get the fuck out of here. Hey, Ma, we got chicken or what? Dude, the fuck? The fact that Jonah Hill did not win for this or Leo did not win for this and Scorsese did not win for this is it's out of control. I think a big criticism people have is, and I kind of understand it is that the movie's so funny that some viewers begin to root for these people that are some of the worst scumbags on earth. And it's like, or I don't think Scorsese's, portraying them as something to be emulated but a lot of people felt that he was and i think that's why it went home empty-handed in a lot of categories this was Mm -hmm. also everyone's introduction to margot robbie who exploded off the scene life-changing event Mm life-changing event went from a complete (laughs) no one you (laughs) a complete no one to maybe the biggest actress in the world in one movie (laughs) life-changing for her and us (laughs) This, um, this movie, I huge fan. Love quick. this movie. Yeah, um, I saw a tail end of college just because I had heard for years. My God, uh, best college guy, college movie ever. Wait, Everyone. Wait, you had never it. seen it till college? I had only seen bits and pieces of it. Oh my! I had no idea. I, I remember you... I wanted to see it, or uh, me and my friend. It was such a big deal. We were like, I don't know, like fourteen when it came out. We wanted to see it, but never got the chance. And then it just kind of faded away. And then in college, resurgence, everyone's fucking talking about it all the time. I'm like, okay, I'll watch it. Do you want to know how my wife, Angelica, saw this movie? I, I'm really hoping how? not with her mother. So this... Oh, no. <laughs> You're, you you hit the nail on the head. So we're both in college in this when this came out. And... <laughs> so Angelica is a business major at the time and um, she's home. I think it might've come out at Christmas. She's home f- for the holidays and her mom is like, Hey, you know, I hear there's a new Leonardo DiCaprio movie about wall street. We should go see it. 
um no. you know try to get her inspired you know maybe you no. should work you know work at bear stearns or something like that <laughs> and they make it about 10 minutes in and leo has a candle up his ass <laughs> and mimi mimi my mother-in-law is like just turns and is like we're getting out of here <laughs> Oh my god! Oh, oh that's god. that's that's incredible. <laughs> yeah. Hey, isn't there a story like that of uh, some of our moms or aunts seeing this? Con- well, I, so, I saw so, Wolf of Wall Street with our. <laughs> so my mom was gonna go with her sisters, and I had to call her because my my mom is someone who if if they say darn, will like do the sign of the cross. And she'll be like, Jesus, Mary Joseph. And, um, <laughs> and, and like, she can't review a movie without her first line is always, well, there wasn't a lot of cussing. Like that's the only way she interacts <laughs> with media is curse words. And I had, she kept, she was like going, going to meet her sister at theater. I had to call her right before she left. And I said, 10 minutes into the movie, Leonardo DiCaprio takes cocaine and blows it into a hooker's butthole so that she absorbs it faster. I'm like, you can't, that's 10 minutes and you can't watch this movie. And she, and she didn't go see it. Yeah. That was a good call. That was good advice. (laughs) So on that note, uh, can't wait to watch silence. Uh, (laughs) yeah. So JP, what's your number one? What do you think? Uh, taxi driver. Yeah. It's taxi driver. Yeah. There's no way around it. It's one of the best movies ever made. Is this your favorite movie? Well, that's the thing outside of like Empire. Um, Yeah, probably like outside of some necessaries like Star Wars. Um, Yeah, it's right up there. It's one of the best movies of all time. I think it's as dystopian and fucked up as it is. A quintessential American movie. Um, just like Raging Bull, maybe has some of the most um, primal, like commonly themed things in it, like throughout all of history, from Shakespeare to modern movies, like the f- downfall of a man. Um, and I think it's De Niro's best performance. I think it's one of the most fucked up <laughs> movies I've ever seen. It's Marty's most fucked up appearance in one of his movies. Um, <laughs> uh, one of the best child performances I've ever Jody, seen. Jodie Foster. She's like 12, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, talk about Kaitel for a second. One of the... No, I, I take back what I said earlier. The biggest scumbag in a movie <laughs> I've ever seen is Harvey Keitel. In That's going to be a fun a category play. for the for the Scorsese Oscars. <laughs> biggest scumbag. He, he's a disgusting pimp. Um, I mean, what else do I say? Hey, gets what's coming to him. Oh, oh and uh, my favorite ending of a Scorsese movie... Um, Better than The Departed, better than um, Goodfellas, better than Shutter Island. Uh, just a movie that totally blew my mind first time I see it, and I love rewatching it. And it's just an all time classic. 
if if you said this is the best movie ever made, if you said De Niro's the it's the best act anyone's ever done, like I can't, I don't necessarily agree with the take, but I can't argue with it. And it's when we talk about the influence on future movies, this literally is what so many later directors aspire to make their movies like, or they make characters like Travis Bickle. Yeah. It's um, been remade so many times. So many times. And and nothing's ever been as good as this. Like <laughs> it, this is, this is the most influential of his movies. I think like people um, win, people win Oscars for remakes of this. Yes. Like which is what Joker was. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. That, I mean, that's why I loved and hated that movie. I was like, man, it's just Taxi Driver. This is great. Also, it's just Taxi Driver. What the fuck? <laughs> I'd rather just watch Taxi Driver. <laughs> yeah. I still think, and its I don't even know if it's meant to be funny, but I think one of the funniest moments of any Scorsese movie is the scene where uh, Travis takes the blonde chick out on a date to a porn movie <laughs> and doesn't get why she's like offended. Like he's like, why what's wrong? I didn't know you didn't like those kind of movies. <laughs> like it kills me every time. Um, I, I am interested what y'all think about the ending of this movie, which the action at the end of this movie is solid. It's, I mean, yeah. it's, it's JP. It it's all up. time. It's great. And yeah, yeah. this is to me kind of like raging bull. I've always been someone that's like, eh, I'm not a huge taxi driver person. I'm not a huge Raging Bull person. I can't, I can sit here and try to deny Raging Bull to y'all. I can't deny Taxi Driver. I just can't do it. Even if I told yeah. you I don't like this movie, I ranked it number three. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's it's pretty undeniable. The score is incredible too. I I just, you know, what was the first time I saw it, you know, right up my alley. Didn't realize it was kind of a political thriller as well. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, in it, that part of it, I, <laughs> the assassination part of it is like right up my alley, right up right. my alley. All right. Let, let's talk about the ultimate. I mean, yeah, I think I could have probably said it's definitely my number one. This wasn't even a question. It is good fellas. Good fellas. Good fellas. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the I most mean, rewatchable movie ever made. Yeah, I mean, what is there to really, <laughs> I mean, say, but hey. What what takes do we all, have on Goodfellas? Yeah, shocker of all shocks. Go watch the one billion hours of YouTube content on this movie. Um, <laughs> I, I, this might be my most watched movie ever. Um, it might be the movie. Do y'all consider this an easy watch? Because... I it's to me it's like a comfort watch which is that fucked up <laughs> it is no I, I get it from scene to scene the 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 comedy of it can keep it rolling pretty easily but you want to know, know what know one of games one of games most watched youtube videos is is the goodfellas prison cooking scene it's my number one of all time <laughs> it's where they got the idea for the food network from I'm not. It, wait, is it actually? <laughs> <Yeah>. What the <laughs> hell? You just made that up. <laughs> Cutting the garlic um, with a razor blade. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it this way. My favorite scene in any movie is the cooking in prison scene. And most people would not even have that as a top five scene in this movie. And it's my favorite scene of all time. Like yeah. whether it's Copacabana, the uh, Layla scene, um, Robert De Niro smoking the cig, deciding if he wants to kill Maury. Like there's so many incredible moments in this movie. 
Um, the, the, the whole opening. scene with the get, get your get your shine. Now go home and get your fucking shine box. Motherfucking hey, mutt! You, come you come fucking piece of shit! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You come on, come on, come on! Let him go. He brought his button at the fake old shine box. You know, and we could probably. When they spider, <laughs> yeah, I forgot about so Spider. Sad, dude. That is so sad. It, spider it, was the man. It, it just tells you, like, we've had, what, four or five movies now where we're like, you know, you could call this the best movie ever made. Like, what a filmography Marty has that, like, we've said that about several movies, and it's not a crazy take. Yeah. Here's an interesting question I have for y'all. I, actually, two. Is this the quintessential needle drop movie mm. yes it's i mean it's this, if it's not number one it's up there tarantino well no i'm saying it's the original tarantino i think does it more i don't know cooler but it really cooler. it really sucks I, because i was watching i think he gets Aqu- it from this though i was watching aquaman the new one um the other night all right. One of the worst movies the I've ever seen. <laughs> but they do needle drops every three minutes. And it's like similar wow. music to what Marty would choose. And it's just real. It's like like a Rolling Stone song or something. But it's like completely forced. And it makes I roll my eyes every single time. Whereas That's so when you strange. when you hear Layla start, you're like, oh, my God. Like, 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 yeah. it's amazing. <laughs> well, and that's, dude, that's just, just the start. Just the opening, literally the opening of the movie is, hey, I've always wanted to be a gangster. And then Tony Bennett so loud, like, blows your eardrums out and you're like, oh, I'm so in on this movie. Second. As far back as I could remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. question is this the quintessential mafia movie gangster movie i mean yes is it my number one mafia movie ever it's literally this or godfather 1a and 1b they're very different though they're extremely different um Mm -hmm. but they are my number one and two in what order i don't know if i could even begin to tell you yeah i think this is um this is the modern, the modern mafia movie. Good or Godfather still has, like, you know, Public Enemy vibes. You know, it's like it's almost like nostalgic, and we're like missing it. Goodfellas yeah. is like, hey, these people are evil, and you're gonna sit with them while they do evil things for three hours, and while it's really entertaining. The end, of, the end of this movie is so depressing. You're just like, you know, I, I'm kind of glad all these people got what was coming to <laughs> One of the all-time great endings of a movie, which is a theme with Scorsese, but like amazing ending. And it's also by far the best narration of any movie ever. It makes the movie mm-hmm. so much better the way they narrate. Ray Liotta... Like here, here's the thing. R.I.P. All right, yeah. Shout out to Ray Liotta. This is this is. I don't think he ever came near this level again. But this is an all-time great performance up there with anything De Niro's done, anything Pacino's done. 
Um, anything anyone's done in one of Marty's movies, like Leota is up there. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think it's the most iconic Pesci performance. I don't know if it's the best. I could I could probably say it is. Maybe some people would argue with that. It is what he won the Oscar for. I, I agree, yeah. JP. It's not his best, like, in terms of craft, but I, I it's do It's his think most it's, significant. Yeah, well, it's his most famous. It's it's what he's known for. It's like, you know, when he when he dies, unfortunately, like that's what they'll they'll talk about. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, this has been really fun just talking about this because if if we think about movies, I'll give you examples. Even not even kind of like Raging Bull, but movies we left off. Right, stuff like The Aviator, you know, Cape Fear. We didn't mention either of those. Mm-hmm. Those are in yeah. the top five of almost every director ever, if not their top three. Yep. And and none of us even brought them up. And and I don't think any of us feel bad about leaving those off. And yeah. what's on top of that, what's even crazier is this guy has an entire documentarian career as well. Mm-hmm. Like all-time classic documentaries along with all-time classic movies. It's really unbelievable that someone could fit yeah. all this into their career. It's like only a few guys, him and Spielberg and I don't know, maybe Kubrick or someone, but not as much volume. I mean, these guys have, yeah. what, 30 movies? It's insane. But, but yeah. those are the names we're talking about. Like, it's a very singular list. Mm-hmm. Dude, strap a mattress to either side of them and just let them let them make the wager and, <laughs> and whatever that weird weird Bible movie he's gonna make at the end of this year and just call it call it a career, man. Keep it yeah. going. <laughs> I don't think there's maybe a more significant force in movie making. So definitely have a third part coming to the Scorsese series. So yeah, Scorsese so. Oscars next, right? Oh yeah. Um, now how, how many hours will we need to record that? I don't know, but two or three, at least (laughs) several, you know, as long as I can, as long as I remember, I always wanted to be a podcaster. (laughs) 